0: Okay, so, for the snack itself, I have, um, freeze-dried cotton candy saltwater taffy.
1: That's so many...
0: things! Yeah, there's a lot of- a lot of adjectives in there. Uh, this shit'll coat your teeth like nothing else. It'll- it immediately dissolve, and sort of, like, I- I think it's like pouring molten metal into an anthill. Just- (laughs) just get a perfect cast, um, and then presumably rot
2: it from the outside. So is it freeze dried cotton candy that tastes like saltwater taffy, or is it freeze dried taffy that tastes like cotton candy?
0: Skitch, do I look like a scientist to you? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, uh, it's just is, is, it a, is it a ghost pirate or a pirate ghost? It's all basking you, okay?
0: Now I, I'm pairing this with a nice vanilla draft nitro Pepsi Cola, uh, which has written on it. Let me see the the uh, the uh, slogan here. Smooth, creamy, easy to drink.
3: Same.
1: Uh, While we're still doing the bit where we ramp up to saying this is the half of the post-mortem that's to do with uh, the the, the away team, um, I do have to tell you a fact that is current and relevant when we record this, um, and will have been long forgotten by the time anyone hears this, Star Wars is trying to retcon jizz music. I saw
3: that. It's jats
1: now. <laughs> it's it's jats now. It's it's not. They got rid of the jizz. It's
3: too late. Bring me oh.
1: back my jizz, Star Wars. We already
3: know you can't take it back.
0: Frankly, they should yeah. just double down and call it cum music.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, so hey, we did it. We. Before we started
3: recording, uh, Laura said stop and uh, drop and give me D20, and I looked it up and there is merch that already on it, so unfortunately... Oh,
1: of course, of course there is. It was the least original thought I have ever had.
3: Oh, I I hadn't Um, heard that before. I thought I was pretty clever.
1: (laughs) It's one of those, like, in my head, I think I came up with... No, it's too good. I can't have done. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, we're we're doing a post-mortem for the other half of the campaign, and... Austin, I think the way you described this half of the postmortem was this is the half where you get to grill me about every decision I didn't really plan.
3: Yeah, the um, first half was mostly just us talking about how much we love Bill Webb. I've already spent what, eight years talking about my DM style, my DMing techniques? There's nothing I mean, new to say there. I
1: mean, you know, we, we also talked about how the clown arc was the best arc <laughs> yeah. over and over and over and over again. Everyone loves the
3: clown arc. That was very flattering. But yeah, there was nothing new to glean from me. Uh, but tonight we get to sit back and uh, bombard you with questions and, you know, just really uh, Ludovico <laughs> technique you and get all your secrets. So. <laughs>
1: yeah, this, this is the bit where I have to sit here and pretend I had any kind of plan at all and wasn't just like, when in it. it was definitely a plan, I promise you. Yep.
3: So you're in charge of this. I'm just going to sit back and answer questions. Ah, it's so refreshing. Oh,
1: I'm, I'm look. I, I wasn't sure how much I was in charge of this one. Um. Well, in my case, cool. I I guess I guess a good place to start with this is. Hey everyone, how are you feeling about this season? Now it's done. How How'd you enjoy this one?
3: Good. I was with Wendy McDonald. She was fun to play. I felt like. Uh, you know, I had the freedom to do things that I wanted, but not uh, you know, like I was lost. So that was a good balance to strike. Yeah. And uh it's just a joy to be able to show up to recording empty headed and just uh you know, just get ready to react, not have to have anything prepped.
1: it's really nice to get to play reactionary characters and not have to plan shit, right? Uh,
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, there I, there is an appeal to the, to, to <laughs> being a DM. I'm a bit of a control freak. Every once in a while I found myself being like, oh, I wouldn't have uh, given that for that role, but <laughs> you know, stuff like that. But, uh, you know, it's nice. Yeah, and I, I you know, and I wouldn't have uh, listened to someone
1: say satellite array <laughs> and, and complained about their work oh, choices, no. but, you know, we all made different <laughs> DMing choices. I couldn't <laughs>
3: tell. if uh, Sometimes I, I go too far in teasing it then people get uh, their feelings hurt. I'm sorry if that was too much.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. I was playing in the space. I hope that was no, no feelings hurt. We're all good. Um, um, unfortunately,
3: Austin,
0: the package it, is already on its way. Your apologies mean nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it, the
2: package is on its way, but grudgingly, you know. Oh
0: my god. Okay, I earned this. This is fine. Uh, but yeah, I had, a, I had a great time this season. Um, I will say it was more stressful for me going into, like, Doing an entire season instead of like the mini, mini stuff with Dragon Quest. Um, but I think that was more just me internally being like, oh no, I'm also playing a much harsher character and remembering that, all oh, right, this isn't like the people that I've been playing games with for 10 years. I don't know how people are going to react to uh, me torturing a disembodied
3: head. The answer was, uh, who cares? <laughs> I will say this wasn't even a full and, season. You still only did half a season. It was more than last time, but you've never done true. the mm-hmm. full sprint.
2: Yeah. It's right.
1: Yeah, it's 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 always an interesting thing playing with a new group of people and working out where that line is. It's a it's a different thing altogether finding that line, but also having to find that line for a nebulous audience that's listening,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and going like, "It does this fit the vibe? Is everyone going to job with this? Ah, we'll work it yeah, out. Yeah,
3: why are y'all mm-hmm. going to be so nebulous?
1: <laughs> yeah, but for what it's worth, Dan, I thought you did a really good job of having a character who was abrasive, that didn't feel like they didn't fit in the party, which is always a you walked that line well of not being like, why is this? Why why would this character even be here?
2: Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a real big point to your credit, Dan. It's like somebody could make a character like Buford and kind of really lean into it in such a way where, like, like Laura alluded to, there's a point where people are like, why is this guy even hanging out with us? You know. But I think the combination of Bridget being there as a grounding element, but also just like the dynamics that built up over the course of our half of the season i mean buford very organically kind of fit uh fit in well with the team i think
0: yes continue to stroke my ego uh, but no <laughs> uh, don't worry they...
2: well listen you're, you're we're stroking your ego until uh, ego until season 13 they were just gonna wreck you completely <laughs> uh, all sides, i'm you
0: already internally panicking years ahead of time <laughs> Um, it's <laughs> I, I will say uh, this wasn't my like my original plan for Buford wasn't for him to be like a crazy murderer. Um I originally pitched him as like kind of like a little bit of a tough guy, but mostly just kind of space trucker Frankie. And then Austin went, nah, Quinn already did that. And I went, okay, I guess I'm Adam Smasher now.
1: Yeah, look, I'm going to be honest. The first way that that Buford was presented to me was, um. Does not care about the mission. Does not care about any of the other characters. Does not want to be here, and that is terrifying to hear as a DM. But it, it worked. It worked.
3: Yeah. yeah, we'll talk more about the uh, handoff after Sketch answers the starting question. But I want to get back to that. Yeah,
2: yeah. I, I, and as for me, like, yeah, I'm feeling. I felt pretty good by it. Like, it was uh, playing as Max and then as temporarily and uh, temporary spurt as Cami, like it was fun. Like it was a fun to do another character where I spent a bit more time working on backstory elements. I think that the way that you handle the backstory elements and added to them, Laura, was very fun. And it allowed me to have some fun surprises while all the stuff got connected over time. And... I I I still feel like I need to rein some things in to, conceptually for characters that might be only around for half a season uh, when I don't have quite <laughs> as much space to unpack all. For example, the formith encryptions because about half of them were never even actually named on yeah. camera.
1: <laughs> Look, I did my best to let you get as much of your uh your your things you wanted to get in there in there. There was there was not there was no world in which everything was going to make it in. <laughs>
2: I, I I also will point out that uh, the choice to make Evan the first encryption unveiled was a mutual choice with Laura and myself. I think we both agreed that, that was the correct starting choice. I
1: I all I remember was seeing that pun and being like, "That is the only acceptable place for us to start. <laughs> that is the only acceptable starting point." <laughs> um. Yeah. Yeah. This. This is. <sighs> This, scene is, this season has definitely been an interesting one, because obviously, like, we were recording half of a season, and half of a season was separately going on, and Dan, I know you were listening mm-hmm. to the the other half, sort of, as they were being edited, and obviously, Skitch, you mm-hmm. were doing editing stuff on them all.
3: Nope.
2: Skitch um, never edits. Nope. Nope. Uh, no, I don't. No? Edit. I just, I just do audio processing, and then hand them off to Austin. I sorry. rarely listen. I, I know.
1: You, sorry, I knew you did something audio wise, and also Austin does something audio wise. I don't no. know. I don't. I don't handle any of this stuff. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I guess in that case, like, sketch, were you paying any attention to the other arc as it was happening, no. or no?
2: No. Did you listen uh,
1: to any of it, or was it just secondhand occurring to you?
2: Only secondhand, and I think part of the reason why, because I thought it was, I, I, I felt like. Honestly, Max not being aware of it was uh, something to just like just embrace to make it really have that delineation between the two sides. So I just I just didn't listen to that half of the season really Um, outside of times when I was doing some work doing transcriptions and such. But uh, otherwise, I was mostly just getting it secondhand through summaries and the like.
3: Yeah, for longtime listeners, I go through every track of every person on the podcast second by second and cut out uh, coughing, sneezing, drinking. In fact, Dan refers to the file he listens to as the drink cut, because it leaves in everybody drinking. That's like an inside joke from yeah, my podcast.
1: You, you, you do the version where I think the way you've always described it is don't worry if you're having a moment and like something's going wrong. I'll make you sound like you were amazing and have never done anything wrong in your life in the edit. Like you 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 big us up. You're like, "Oh no, you're going to sound you, you're going to sound the most perfect when I'm done."
3: Unless it's unless your fuck up is really funny. In <laughs> case, in <laughs> that, case that, I that, will that
2: sacrifice the... you on the altar of comedy. For sure. Uh, the only editing that I did actually do quite a lot of this season is Mari's uh opening stuff. Like there was oh, a point where yes. where, I, where I took over that and then as soon as Austin kind of gave like the indication, "Oh, we're going to do some like more aggressive glitchy i'm like here i go i'm just gonna start having some fun with this
3: yeah we might have talked about that in the discord but if you're not familiar like in the post-mortem of last season we like live on air came up with the idea of the you know uh insane ai and i didn't know exactly where that was going it wasn't like always going to be as pivotal as it was i said pivotal weird pivotable um at the <laughs> beginning it At the beginning of the season, it was just a way to recap. You know, it was just me saying, oh, the engineer Trizzy did this, did that. Um, And I had it in a shared Google Drive where anyone could edit it. And so for the first couple of episodes, a lot of people got a hand on the ball. But at a certain point, I started doing storytelling. I basically took over the writing entirely. But then I stopped editing those. And yeah, as as they got weirder, (laughs) as uh, the computer kind of freaked out, Uh, Skitch, I mean, you can talk more about it if you want. But like with the effects and the uh, glitching and stuff, that was really. Uh, your purview
2: yeah uh, is basically I I knew the assignment we mentioned like okay Shodan or other similar things like okay I know where this is going and I just have access to a bunch of voice processing tools a lot of which started when I was researching how to make Ed's voice from season four so I just leveraged that to do a lot of the processing and edits and it's fun to do that yeah. yeah. And so, because
3: we were so far in the future and I was writing recaps for things that happened months ago, I was able to foreshadow things way ahead of time. So, like, people listening to this will know that, like, at the end of the season, we've fought a bunch of the clone bodies and a bunch of ice cream golems and stuff. And But, mm-hmm. like, I, I started talking about those in, like, the fourth arc because mm-hmm. I hadn't, I had pre, you know, right as of this recording, <laughs> you know, we're, I'm releasing those episodes where I'm able to write that stuff in. So, because I know it's going to come into play later.
1: It's, it's, it's made for some interesting things about this this season's uh production the uh, <laughs> the delay existing for sure yeah,
2: but yeah to roll back yeah i i am someone who just didn't listen to the home team stuff like as it was being made um so i was actually a little bit out of the loop on that side of it i was like the only one who was out of the loop of home team between the the four of us so
0: I remember once um, after you guys recorded, I think the end of the alternate uh, evil universe arc, Quinn messaged me, because normally I'm giving her my play-by-play reaction as it's occurring. <laughs> and, and she was like, Dad, are you okay? You haven't, you haven't told me your reaction to uh, power word quack.
1: <laughs> oh, goodness. Um. So, in terms of, like, questions for this post-mortem, um, as f- there's there's one question that I think every, everyone wants from me, which is about that wild magic table and some of those numbers <laughs> that never came up on it. Yep. Um, mm. So I'm just I'm just gonna put that out there. Do you want do you want to know what what like the extremes on that wheel were gonna be?
3: Of course, it would yeah. be weird if we were. What if we all just together were like, no,
0: absolutely. <laughs> yeah. not. Uh, on some level, I want to do that, but I think someone would bomb my house.
1: <laughs> I I kind of wish one of these had come up Because I put a lot of thought flavor-wise Into how I wanted The extremes of the wild magic table to be um, And the way I thought about it was um, Wild magic as something that completely At one end of the extremes Completely goes out of your control uh, To a very detrimental degree Or on the upper end You have a moment of clarity And sort of see through the chaos of it all Um, on the top end I had 99 and 100 Um, which were going To be, uh, at 99 Every one of your spells activates One after another in succession Not using any spell slots, you can pick Targets, you have (laughs) Just one fucking ridiculous Blast of everything happen Which was sort of To mirror The one on the wild magic table Which was, uh Every one of your spells activates one after another in succession, but targets are random. You were fully lost control of the wild magic. Friend or foe could be in danger. Good luck. Um, and the intention here was like, this wouldn't necessarily be so bad if it came up in certain situations. If this was in like a, a, a fight where there was like multiple little enemies around, there was multiple things that could draw those uh targets, it could have been really fucking bad in a situation where it's like, ah, it's the four of you against one enemy. Mm-hmm. Four out of five times you're gonna take the brunt of what's ca- rolled up.
3: Um <laughs> what? wait, it would have activated the spell slots of everyone in the party, not just Wendy, right? Uh
1: it was gonna be, sorry. It was gonna be everyone in the uh the party if it happened in uh away team. Mm. Um once Home team had a wild magic user. It was going to be if it if it rolled up on Trizzy, Trizzy's many slots all go popping. Um, we had a lot less wild magic going around in uh, away team as a whole. A um, hundred was going to be wish. I th- I know that's a very like bog standard answer for a hundred for like you know th- that sort of thing, but the flavor I had and the way I was going to sort of pitch that was. You just have this one moment of clarity where just the wild magic goes from a force that rules you to one that you ruled for just a just a little moment. You get to sort of put your thumb on the scale of randomness and wish was gonna go., uh, so that's sort of where I was thinking with with the extremes on that wild magic table.
3: Yeah, I wonder what Wendy would have done if given access to Wish. Because if if only given access to other spells, which is something that Wish is often meant to do, like if you play Baldur's yeah. Gate, Wish is very very limited. I think. Yeah. Um,
1: I I very much uh, was Divine going Renches, to go or... more broad with it and was gonna go Austin. What do you want it to do? Mm-hmm. Let's let's work out what's what's viable. I I wanted the flavor to be. Anything that would have been on the on the table for, for wild magic, Wendy has that one moment of being able to pluck that one random occurrence and go, that that's what's happening.
3: Mm-hmm. I feel like Wendy's uh intuition would have been maybe to get rid of wild magic. I don't know if that would have been boring. Ooh. But like mm-hmm. I feel like would she be... would have it'd have been something as to like plot you know, character development wise.
1: Yeah, I think it would have very much determined when it had come up. Because, like, there's a very big difference between, like, a cast of Wish showing up in, like, the final boss fight of the campaign versus I bonked myself on the head as a joke in the middle of a conversation and now Wish has happened in episode three. Yeah, that
0: that's what I was going to say. I think, the, the, the trying to think hypothetically about what would occur here, very different scenarios for all of your spells cast on ev- everyone around you all at once. If it was, like, uh, I'm doing a pratfall as a bit <laughs> and then everyone's
3: exploding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: look, that <they're... laughs> any of these would have been um catastrophically chaotic in one way or another, but you hope that the dice will work with the narrative you're trying to tell. So you, you, you mm-hmm. go with Yeah, hope it works out. Um But yeah, did, did any of you have any questions for me about this season, I guess? Because this is uh, my, my first time DMing uh, or co DMing a, a Dice Funk season. Uh, anything you want to know from me? Well,
0: let me let me first ask Austin, since he was playing the Wild Magic Barbarian, what was your favorite Wild Magic role?
3: Oh, I mean, it, maybe it's because I just edited this episode, but when I got the Gundam armor, I was very excited about that visual. <laughs> I was <laughs> I was thinking about her zooming around, looking like the zombie. Um, <laughs> um, I really, one of my favorite punchlines was when it made um a healing spirit, and then I was just, I apologized that it was about to die in a moment. And uh, when I did Wah wow Magic again, it disappears, and Laura just voice acted the spirit for one line, just being like, wait, what? Um, <laughs> that really killed me. It's just, it's just like br- briefly blinking into consciousness and only to die. I. I guess that's kind of like the whale from me. Checkers.
0: Yeah, yeah, I was just, I was going to say,
2: yeah.
0: I, I think my favorite was when Drakus just just pull the full heel gem out of his ass and we had to <laughs> no! immediately pivot to trying to get rid of it
3: <laughs> oh my god i forgot about that i was gonna say another thing if, if it wasn't get rid of wild magic wendy would have tried to use wish on drakus in some in some way probably if she was anywhere near him it had the mm-hmm. presence of mind like not before he was introduced because that would have been unsatisfying but like if he was you know anything during that mission where she saw him try to mm. blast that dude Oh, Skitch, you, you
1: weren't around for my favorite Wild Magic role in uh, Home Team, which was um accidentally teleporting a lightsaber mop inside of a person.
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, that's one of the hardest things that's happened in the entire show's entire history. That's Mortal Kombat fatality. <laughs>
2: yeah, uh,
1: someone got chunky salsed from the inside.
2: Oh my gosh! Uh-huh. that's amazing. Which,
1: you know, sometimes the dice <laughs> just really help you out.
2: <laughs> exactly, they they help you tell a story. Uh, uh, they help you tell you a touching narrative of how a person's insides became liquefied with their skin still on. I tr-
3: I killed Ophelia off screen in the main timeline because I knew I could never measure up to her death in the evil timeline. <laughs>
2: was, oh gosh! So she died a gruesome death in both timelines. Amazing. Yeah. Uh um. Yeah, so I guess I have a question for you, Laura. Um, I mean, so from from your perspective, like you know, you you mentioned during some of the sessions how there was all these incidental like overlaps happening, kind of in terms of the arcs between home and away. And I felt like my thought is like, how how did you feel about how some of your ideas? Uh, how they developed when they were handed off into Austin's hands, like for example. Oh no, this is you trying
3: to get me put on blast.
2: <laughs> <laughs> like, like the Serlon Sur- stuff. Like for me, like, well, like the Serlon <laughs> stuff in particular, because I thought that was an interesting area we didn't get to explore too much. That's a problem for a future season kind of thing. But like, you know, I, I, mean, I always,
1: I, yeah, I, I. I kind of talked about this a little in the the um, the home post mortem, but I was like, I I went in knowing this was the format of this season was that <laughs> I'm I'm throwing a ball back and forth with Austin, and we didn't know exactly what was going to happen when we finished our two halves, but there was a good chance that someone not me was going to be playing around with stuff I'd made, and I very much went in with like, I I didn't get myself too hung up on like any one. Future for any of these arcs I was like, the, I will do what with them While while they're in my hands And then I hand them off and I go Th- These people are going to do what they're going to do Based on how I set them up Um, mm-hmm. And it was I I very much Feel like Every decision Austin made In the sort of combined ending Fit with how I sort of Saw the, pe- the pieces That I put out on the board So Thank, thanks, Austin, for being on a similar wavelength with <laughs> with what I was doing with stuff. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I mean, it's it's a really interesting writing challenge. It's not unprecedented. People do uh, exquisite corpse. It's like a, a improv exercise where you start a thing and then hand it to someone else and they keep going. So, you know, we're not breaking artistic ground here, but it did work pretty uh, well, I think. Uh, I was going to say throwing it back to the handoff because I don't remember if we've told this whole story, but I was originally mm. going to do this season by myself DMing. I was actually on a plane to Florida, I think, <laughs> and I texted mm. Laura and I was like, how would you feel about DMing half of this so i could play or something i don't remember the exact thing i think I, was, I just had like this idea of home and away already in mind and i was like it would make more sense that way um so i just pitched it to you and then i sent over uh like half of my my, my outline is extremely bare uh so i yeah. think i literally sent you four sentence fragments uh, uh, yeah. which were i
1: yeah i think it was um the, the first one might have been peace talks yeah i, think I have it them might, here might, yeah <laughs> So it was, it, oh, you've got them. Yeah, go, go on, read them ahead.
3: <laughs> yeah, literally, what I, what I said to Laura, I was like, you can do whatever you want. You can not use any of this, use it all. I had some names in here, too. You know, it's just like, you're in charge. But here's what I have uh, Beholder Peace Talks, Lycanthrope Space Station. Grey Kidnapping, Sirlon Seven Samurai, which I really like the alliteration for. Um, and most of that got used, a lot of it in a completely different way than I would have expected. But Behold, like holder peace talks, the Beholder was behind the scenes but never showed up. Mm. And you did a Seven Samurai thing, but it was a tiefling that was there, uh, even though the Sirlons are behind the Formith, which is something we I can talk about the Sirlons. That was an interesting thing of where like, I kind of pivoted back to them. Mm. Um, so I don't know if you want to, you want to speak to yeah. that, but
1: it's, it's, it's one of those things where I've done DMing before, but I've never done DMing for an audience. And like, I will be like a hun- a thousand percent honest. It was intimidating because like, even as a player where I'm only controlling one person, there have been times in the history of Dice Funk where I have made choices and decisions that, haven't gone over well with the audience, uh, where I've made choices that people have uh, reacted strongly to. And DMing half of a season is a step up from that, where I am very much controlling where a big chunk of an ongoing narrative is going. And I d- did lean somewhat on on that skeleton that was there. And like being really frank, the reason why I did that was I was like, Austin tells good stories, and I tr- like. I trust Austin's Skeleton to put me on the right track. And if I was code yeming again in future, probably wouldn't necessarily do so. But it was a useful thing to go. There's a little tiny bit of structure here that I can play within mm-hmm. to have one less thing to be nervous about on this first season. And it it's one of those things where I wanted to I wanted to be. I wanted to put a lot of my own spin onto it. I didn't just want to play it like, this is what Austin wrote as one sentence, that's what the arc will be. And I, you know, tried to give it a lot of thought. Um, Being open about it, that first arc, I was nervous as fuck. Mm -hmm. Um, By the time the second act, uh, the second um, arc came around, I was feeling a lot more comfortable. Uh, A a couple of, like the first one or two um, away episodes... Had aired and they were being responded to well, and I had that little bit of reassurance of, okay, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to be the reason that people hate half of this <laughs> season.
0: Relax
2: a little yeah, bit. That's my job. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, like, like there they, they they be forgetting. Head is going to be the problem, not Laura's DMing here. Okay.
1: And, and I mean, like c- coming off the back of the last season of Dice Funk was to put it lightly, um, divisive. <laughs> it it was it was nice to just have that little bit of reassurance of, okay, people have started listening to my bit and they're still liking the idea
3: of this season. Oh, thank God! <laughs> yeah, I mean, you did a great job. I think the Lake and Space Station uh, was a huge highlight for me. I was having a blast there. I for think sure. you sure, hear it in our voices how uh, mm. you know much we were enjoying it. But I mean, there was great stuff in all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, obviously, we we all uh, I think I said at the beginning we had a lot of fun. But I couldn't hurt to say again yeah. <laughs> that we yeah. we really enjoyed it. And you know, we're talking about the future of the show, and I've, I would love to have you back. Uh, we don't have uh, you know a date nailed down. It's not yeah. going to be for at least a couple seasons. But you know, if I mm-hmm. have my draw there, so you will be back. <laughs> I, I've said as much.
1: I've said as much to you that I will definitely come back and co dm a season in future because it was really fun. Um, yeah. It. As, as I said it was it was um it was daunting in places um ha- D- Dan I was I was terrified that I wasn't going to be able to keep finding excuses to keep your character engaged, but I'm glad I did. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Everyone,
3: (laughs) Dan kept messaging me during the last arc, like, kill my sister. Do it, pussy. Do it. (laughs) 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 Kill my sister, you little bitch. do it.
1: Look, I'd have been been terrified to do it, because what hook do I have to have you not just go, I'm done. (laughs) See, I... I mean, revenge. Revenge would have been the <laughs> hook, Do, I guess. I,
0: I understand the intimidation. That, uh, makes 100% sense. Uh, but I'm also, like, I'm so self-conscious about the fact that this is a show that I there. I don't think there was any chance I was gonna be, like, um, man, I'm gonna blow up the Razubian. Unless I was, like, okay, I'm, I'll be, like, a full villain pivot Look, and switch characters. Right, r-
1: right now at this point i understand that i know you now dan that's fine i had never recorded with you this before and all here are the three bullet points i knew about you slash buford um does not care about the mission or anyone on it has an impossible to hit ac um <laughs> oh, i had an i had an oh yeah no uh the other one dan will solve any mystery you put in front of him in like two seconds you cannot create a mystery that Dan won't just instantly
0: solve. That's that's intimidating. <laughs> I I did the moment you said that uh, you mentioned lights twice in the span of the, the <laughs> werewolf arc went, this is a werewolf thing, isn't it? She's mentioned it twice. Something's weird here.
1: Yeah, but look, I know I overmentioned it, but this is the other problem with DMing is if you don't mention the thing that the players need to pick up on like 30 times, it might get missed.
3: Yeah. Oh, this is a great point to mention that I had to play dumb because having sent you the phrase Lycanthrop Space Station, I knew what was going on when we first yeah. landed there. And I just, you know, I was just, Wendy doesn't. So I, I'm, it's yeah. interesting if you go back, I really think I did a good job. But... Well, I, I think you did a fucking fantastic <laughs> job. You did wonderfully. Um, um But, yeah,
1: Um, I... I... I didn't go into this season anticipating that this half of the season would be the plot-driving half.
2: Because I didn't know what
1: you... Austin, I didn't know what you were planning. I didn't know if there was going to be equal amounts of dramatic, like, big end-game plot happening on your side. I was just like, I'm going to play with the pieces I've got and we'll do we'll do what we do. I, I paid no attention to what you were planning.
3: <laughs> yeah, I didn't know either. You know, that there was a couple pieces on the board that could have been, like the plot things bon bababee biblia was a big one that you know he's so powerful it's something like he's a wizard who could fight the whole spaceship i don't know
1: mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> we could have done something there um you know trizy and the ai could have come to the fore more prominently earlier but yeah i was just trying to do as i said in the the home team downtime do do like episodes of star trek where you know every episode is kind of self-contained and like just let uh, you know the the whims take me because sometimes the audience or the players really latch on to something, and then you want to do that. You don't want to like build up your your uh, something. You're like, oh, this is my fucking Sephiroth. This is gonna be so <laughs> sick, and then no one gives a shit because mm-hmm. <laughs> that happens.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Let,
0: go. Uh, let me ask, since we, uh, Austin, you had talked about um, how you expected certain things to go when you were uh, setting up your half of the season, and when you took over and we just didn't do that, or like the heist, for example, that you had, had planned, uh, or yeah. what caught you off guard the most, and is there anything that uh, you were originally playing to do or wanted to get to, that because of how the story went, you went, okay, this is just not occurring, or it's been completely pivoted away from?
1: Oh, interesting! Interesting. Um, I fully expected Buford far more times. Like, I fully, I had several points where I fully expected you were going to use the werewolf stuff. Mm. Mm-hmm. I was like, I kept preparing for like, okay, where I, I have a little d- direction we can take this if and when the werewolf stuff happens. Never happened. Um. I was not anticipating um, um, Max doing all of the Formith forms at once. <laughs> uh, that threw a huge spanner in my plans. Um, I was going to do something fairly different with that final arc until... T- it was ultimately still going to be, quote-unquote, the Formith arc. uh uh-huh. But the person in the party who knew the most about Four Myths suddenly not being there um, necessitated a, a sort of change in the pacing of, of how, how that was all done.
2: Um, I, um, the, the rationale I had for pushing that forward was because I was kind of becoming aware that this was the last away team arc. So just to have access to the other spells and be able to just sort of pepper in names of the encryptions as we went along, that was that was the rationale that I had for just saying, let's just go pull all the triggers there.
1: It it totally makes sense. Um, I did have a plan for how I was gonna let you have your cool big moment where you have access to all the things. Mm-hmm. And the vague plan had originally been, as I remember it, something like um once you had gone and dealt with the four-myth arc and gotten the 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 people who were trapped within it out, mm-hmm. there would have been an opportunity for you to use the the data on the computer there to basically unlock the rest of those uh some of the you would have had options for getting, like, a brief ability to use all of those in a cool fight before, you know, mm-hmm. everything was dispelled. Um but yeah, it it was one of those. This is exactly. This is perfect. I was not disappointed that you did it. It was great. I did just have some homework to do as a result.
2: Well, as did I because because at that point you had strongly encouraged I have cami sheet ready for the episode just in case. <sighs> Look, With- I
1: didn't I didn't <laughs> want to spoiler it, but I was like, I <laughs> you're going to need someone to play.
2: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and so it was just really fun to have the the sudden pull the cloth off the table, and be like, yeah. So Cammy just turned level twelve and <laughs> just kind of go without dropping a beat.
1: Yeah. the The other thing that I never like really got an opportunity to play with that I wanted to was I did want to find an opportunity to involve um Gubbins Triple S mm-hmm. in some way. And there's a couple of places where I thought about it happening, and it just like wasn't lining up. But I did want to get more of the extended Gubbins family showing yeah, the, up. And, the
0: Gubbins uh, extended universe.
2: Yeah,
1: exactly. Um, but yeah, what about for all of you? Was that were there any things that you sort of wanted to do with your character that didn't happen, or that you sort of go, "Oh, I, I won." I think about what could have gone a different way.
3: Like, halfway through the season, I said to you, don't pull any punches on Wendy. If she dies, she dies. Like, you know what I'm saying? Because it'll just mean that I get to DM, you know, the the final arc or whatever. Mm. There's no, you know, you didn't end up doing that. And I wasn't saying that, like, you know, please pre-write something. But I I was like, there's no no need to hold back on her. So part of me was, like, in the back of my mind, being like, at any moment, a dramatic, tragic Wendy death scene could break out. (laughs) And it never did. I, look, I thought about it a lot and i
1: i ultimately landed on i think there is more interesting we can do with wendy alive than dead like if i thought it was interesting i would have made that the dramatic kill to like you know motivate things forward but i like what you did with wendy with the um running off back to go try and handle Drake a solo and the like spanners in the wrench that through um i felt i felt there was more room Without just going, and Wendy's... Because there wasn't anyone who needed a dead party member, really, to to push them to be invested.
3: Yeah, and when she ended up being the boss fight and Quinn said, like, I cut her wings off. Like, uh, I was, like, IRL, uh, you know, making a big meme face. <laughs> because I had no idea that was coming. And then, yeah, her... <laughs> her everything after that was yeah. completely outside of my uh, expectations. But... Yeah, so that, that that's for me the big thing. Everything else, she's like, she got to meet, you know, all the NPCs that I, I thought she would and, you know, she got to have cool moments and sassy moments. So yeah, like I feel, you know, you pretty much delivered every expectation that I had for the character. So I felt really good.
0: Well, that, be, before I get into my my feelings about Buford and uh, w- what could have been, uh, I guess for the <laughs> both of you in the terms of what could have been, how do you feel about how Kordas are turned out? <laughs> Hilarious, very funny. I, I
3: perfect.
1: Cordazar is my favorite NPC. I love, him. I love him, yeah. Fucking love him.
3: Honestly, it's so funny because he gets dumpstered in every appearance. But there's even one we ended up editing out where, because just like things uh, went in a different direction, we decided we didn't like. Uh, so there's a, actually a secret hidden scene of uh, him trying to get involved <laughs> and getting just slam dunked into the garbage. Yep, by <laughs> yeah. me, in fact. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, look, Some sometimes a character, like, you look at their sheet and go, by all accounts, you should be able to hit things. And they whiff every single opportunity they get, and you just have to play with the story that exists. was beautiful, and I wouldn't have them any other way. I,
0: I will say, on a meta level, I like that this was a season that involved, like, alternate timelines and changing the past and all that. And we had a couple of scenarios where I think Quinn and the, the other post-mortem reference a small scene, Uh, That the two of us had recorded. And we had a couple things like that where we, towards the end of the season, we were finishing things up and we realized, oh, it would make more sense if this occurred in this scenario. Um, So we effectively have alternate realities recorded uh, that just won't see the light of day. And I think in some ways that's kind of neat.
3: Yeah. I mean, we might save this to the end, but I don't know what this season means for the future of Dice Funk. (laughs) We may have, but we may have fucking uh, dumped our continuity into a blender.
1: Mm -hmm. look uh, austin for all the things i did as dm this season i didn't green light time travel machine it's true that that (laughs) one is you i don't take responsibility for that one
3: yeah we'll talk about Um, it at the end but yeah anyone else want to
0: get a hand on the ball Uh, Yeah, regarding like, oh, thinking about what could have been with Puford, I, on the whole, am very, very happy with everything that occurred in it. Uh, Of course, I had like my own preconceived notion of okay, if XYZ occurs, I should do this. And they're just the way my brain works, I'm always preparing. Um, like, oh, what am I going to do in this next episode if Austin kills my sister? What, what's going to happen? Uh, well, Beefrit's going to do one of two things. He's going to freak out. He's either going to hard commit to trying to do her ideals or whatever. Um, I will say, re- regarding the, the werewolf juice, um, we did end up using an epilogue uh, to stave off the multi clown vampire werewolf infection from Barry. Uh, but I, just the way I was thinking about it it was like, this is the last, like, you have one HP left, oh shit, there is no other option button, and Beaver just managed to tank enough throughout the season that it was never really a scenario that came up.
1: I, I still, I still kind of regret not putting Bridget in a danger point that would have forced you to consider using that on Bridget. Mm-hmm. That is something I kind of wish I'd I'd put out there. Right,
2: which
0: is what I originally assumed would probably be the scenario. And when she was kidnapped, the way I thought, and I still love the arc, but the way I thought <laughs> it was going to be going was either she was going to get horrifically injured, or something would occur, and it would dr- either like kill her or drive him into doing something desperate, Or she would get like a firsthand view of, oh God, my brother is a
3: really bad, violent person. That's why, like, the first thing I had her do when she came under my control, and like near the end, is just like get in your face and <laughs> just be like, you, yeah. "You, you think you're like fucking like protector? You think you're on some Joel Last of Us shit? You little bitch." <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, you could tell the difference between mine and Laura's <laughs> perception on some of the characters. Who was the other one? I, <laughs> uh, I think. Oh, Yaush, we like stopped
2: being British when you handed him over. <laughs> you also stopped being British with Dash, shit. then you got really you got you got a really interesting. To get a Max and Cammy to get married, like almost immediately,
0: <laughs> stopped being British. Immediately became a good guy. What does that say about society?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> and yeah, this is this is the thing when you don't pre you know pre plan characters is I I don't think any of them were like huge departures from from where they were at. I think they felt c- continuous through the handoff.
0: <laughs> Yeah, I, I will say for Buford, I it wasn't fully formed in my head at the start, but I was like, okay, he's a he's an objectively bad person that cares about the people around him deeply. Uh, but he's so broken as a human being that he can only see overwhelming violence to anything that threatens him as the possible solution. And that's also why he didn't really believe in the peace mission because he would see every negative uh, aspect of of himself reflected in the worst parts of the uh, revanchist mind flayers and go, I don't believe if I'm not capable of changing, uh, there's no way they are, which is why he was uh, such a downer on it. And then why I had him go talk to Yoush. I didn't even actually even believe that it was going to change anything with Yoush. I just figured it would be a nice scene. And then it started altering the course of that, the, the end of the season um, because it seemed pretty one-to-one the exact same thing he went through just a little bit set back
2: at the time
1: yeah what about you sketch anything anything that uh, you 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 think about uh, could, could what could have been
2: I mean outside of light, well outside of the whole, what if Max did it, <laughs> it decrypt everyone was sucking into the format and caused me to make a new subclass that i actually really liked actually I was pretty proud of the uh the pilot subclass but that's actually co-related to what i was thinking of which was um ardwing stuff would have been neat to have explored a little bit of it one of the reasons why i did not go into detail about what ardwing was was because i didn't know what the status of soul was personally Mm. two didn't know whether it would be appropriate to have them based out of soul or the Beastlands themselves because I wasn't sure about the the interplanar cosmology of this season. And I didn't want to push that question, really. So I just kind of left Ardwing as being vaguely elsewhere. And so yeah. it made it difficult to really kind of draw a lot of that in. But also there was just lots of other more immediate personal stakes that um, took precedent over establishing yet another faction, you know?
1: Yeah, like, I I had notes about Ardwing and thoughts about them, and it became apparent quickly that there was, like, there wasn't a space for them that wasn't going to need a big derailment of the plot. And it was one of those things where I was like, I want... I was trying to balance, like, I want each arc to, in some way, progress, like, our understanding of the world, or move us towards, like, revealing more of big, bad, working in in the shadows is, is being more apparent, while also trying to eventually get it to tie together as he, all of your narratives kind of connect and are kind of tied into each other, and you all have a shared investment in something, and... Mm-hmm. Oddwing would have been one additional thread to try and pull into that, and I was just like, "Nah, that's that's yeah. just not happening."
3: <laughs> and no problem. Before we did the handover, when you told me about your character you didn't, uh, sketch, you said, like, "Yeah, they have a shape shifting weapon and everything." Like my like original plan, your plan is strong. <laughs> like the ideas I was kicking around was the, for your because you're kind of Fox McCloud from Star Fox, and I was thinking you would need a wolf right is the villain from Star Fox mm-hmm. not the villain you know that's uh, Andross but uh, like a rival and I was thinking right. they would be kind of like the you know I don't know Kylo Ren to your Ray, or maybe one of the better movies <laughs> but just like, <laughs> just just uh, someone who has the same cool weapon as you and that uh, you would clash sure. a couple times over the course of the thing I had absolutely no idea what Laura was doing you can hear me in real time being like reacting to learning more about it I'm like oh my god it's a Venus flytrap oh it's a save oh, point yeah. uh, like what I <laughs> like, I was... Half the things, like, you could hear me yeah. yell aren't even true. But, like, it's <laughs> just me getting excited about, like, the things as they're co- yeah. coming into focus.
1: The the, the four myth was one of my
3: favorite things
1: to play around with. Because I was like, it's gonna... Be, look, there's no getting around the fact that it's, like, it's gonna be a little... There's there's something up with it. It's giving mm-hmm. you too much for nothing. But, like, mm-hmm. I had a lot of fun with trying to play around with the, like... I I wanted, I wanted it to... Ultimately, be this thing that was like, I I didn't want it to be the you have a rival who has the weapon too. I wanted Mm -hmm. it to be like, oh, it it almost ends up seeming like everyone has one of these things. Yet I never see someone else with one of them. Mm -hmm. People keep knowing about them despite the fact that no one's just running around with them. What's up with that? Oh, they're 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 fattening you up to Venus flytrap. (laughs) Uh, Yeah,
2: like for me, I thought. A, of a merger like basically i thought once the notion of like dashina was put out there which i still think a very good empty brain moment for me was misinterpreting dashina meaning that the person drew a line for their first name to indicate that we, the name <laughs> yes. was left up in the air um before realizing that dash was actually her name but when dashina was introduced i'm sitting here thinking oh is the end of Max's whole arc going to be that their mom has a 4 cube and they have to duel or something? <laughs> like,
1: Yeah, there, there was a couple of times in this season where like what 4 exactly was going to end up being could have changed. But again, a lot of that was determined right before that last arc started where suddenly you'd been uh, 4 absorbed and I was like, okay, we got to we we got to go
2: into this right now. You still got me real good when you just revealed, oh, yeah, yeah, there's a Warforged hooked up to that machine. I'm like, what? Okay.
1: Yeah.
2: Did you know? It was, it, was, it was fun to play around with
1: your big pile of possible things I could do. I,
2: I'm glad you had fun with it.
1: And I, I appreciate your willingness for me to go like, hey, do you have an answer to this? Or am I is this space I can just,
3: like, fuck around in? Mm-hmm. Did you know the Star Fox character's name is Wolf O'Donnell? Why are both Fox yes. McCloud and Wolf O'Donnell Irish? What is
2: happening, Nintendo? Because <laughs> my know. people have taken over the stars. <laughs> so, so, uh, so one of these I'll also mention sort of an aside, and I'll mention this probably the Discord server at some point, but out the, of the encryptions in Formith, the ones that were my personal idea were literally just Max, uh, Ed, and Martis. Um, everyone else in there were ideas granted to me by other people, um, mostly members of the art community, but also, uh, some other friends and stuff. So it was also fun to have a little space to have like these little insert characters from other people in there. Um, and, uh, it was just, like I said, it was, I like, I'm a big fan of dagger theory when it comes to character backgrounds. And I think the best way to do that type of approach is have different potential pain points for character, but then offer multiple daggers for the same problem and not know which one you're going to use. And you still found ways to surprise me, Laura, which is great.
1: I, I checked before I ever went to, if I was going to do anything too wild, I was like, is this, is this room that I can just get <laughs> fucking around in? And it, it was I, it was a fun fun space to play.
3: Did you ever have an idea of who created the the four myths? Because the me revealing it was the Sirlon was because you didn't use the Sirlon in that that last arc, and I was like, it's gonna be five years before we come back to space, and that's like the one mm. space species that is in the book that I like.
1: If it was going, if I was, if it was anyone, I was gonna confirm on air it was gonna be the Sirlons. but I there was a lot I didn't like mm. have nailed down about that i I'd, I'd initially that was sort of why what I was planning, and it's why I didn't plan to use them in that last arc mm-hmm. and then uh, I ended up feeling somewhat like I liked the idea of them being this just un unknown thing mm-hmm. that it I kind of like the like the idea of them being sort of like the um the technology that gets found at the start of mass effect where it's like we don't know what this tech is or what's you know alien species before us made it but it's very powerful and suddenly it's very useful to us and yeah stumbling upon it that way and just sort of making use of it Mm -hmm. and being like whatever it is that made this either is long gone or has advanced to a point where they don't even fucking care about what uh, like this is trinkets to them at this point Mm But if I had pointed at someone, it was going to be the Sirlons, which when you then asked him, was uh, were decided to do that, I was like, cool, saves me working out how to make the Sirlons do it.
3: Are you telling me that you didn't like the Protheans more after Javik became a playable DLC? Oh,
1: oh, genuinely, I fucking love Javik existing <laughs> Purely because, for anyone who's never played um, Mass Effect, there are these. There's the species called the Protheans. They are the mysterious species from like fifty thousand years ago that you hear about in legend. And one of them shows up, and one of your crew is like a Prothean researcher. She's been waiting her entire fucking life to meet one. Like to to learn everything she can about a Prothean. That's a real life Prothean here. Um, and he thinks that she is, like, subhuman scum. And, like, that <laughs> interaction is perfect. Where she's like, I finally get to meet one of you. And she's like, oh, you little tadpole things that were swimming around in the in the mud. Um, you can speak now. Very good of you.
0: I believe he, he fucking blows up her entire religion, too.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, no. Uh, her entire religion is aligned. That's, that's fun for her to learn. Like, I don't. I, I initially didn't like meeting Javik until Javik just completely fucks up everything of Liara's deal. And I'm like, oh, this is this is actually really good.
3: I just don't like that he's DLC. I think the character's fun. <laughs> I'm oh,
2: just yeah. One, bitch.
1: You know, yeah, no, no, no way. you should have been DLC. Should be in the main game. <laughs> I, I,
2: I will say. And when I designed the idea of Formith, it was just literally the idea of at the end of season four. Um, Ed still had the conduit of Energy Which basically meant They had a copy of Martis's form Inside of their system In some capacity So the idea was like Well what if someone Saw that and was like Okay Storing the Form of somebody Inside of Inside of an object And then Calling it out Okay So Derived from Ed Was going to be This form tech That then Becomes something Either You know Good, bad Commoditizer Whatever else But like I didn't want to get too super specific on like all those details because I wanted to keep things mysterious. So it was interesting seeing how it became what it is currently. And I think it provides some yeah. fodder for the future, but also some intrigue.
1: Like I, I had some different thoughts for it at different times. There, there was a, there was a time where the people were going to be trapped literally inside the one singular cube that Max happened to have. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I was going down that route for a little bit until I realised I liked the idea of someone summoning one of Max's summons. Like, mm-hmm. had had you not been sucked inside the cube, there was going to be a moment where you you literally face down someone who summons one of your summons right. against, like, against you. And, like, Oof. that was too good to pass up. You can't as have much a piece I love the idea of you literally carrying your mom around in a cube ball season and not knowing.
2: <laughs> yeah, so, like, that was definitely fun. Sorry for taking a bit of time no, about no. that. No,
1: uh, no. Yeah, anyone got any other other things that we want to talk about? about I wish
0: season? I developed Gore Slammer more
1: mm-hmm <laughs> you can do a whole like little spin-off podcast where you've just developed gore slammer
0: it'll just be fi- me filing the rules off of Warhammer 40k it's uh,
2: <laughs> no 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 it's it's w- later on there'll be a season where half the season is actually being played from the perspective of a single gore slammer like Campaign on the table and the rest of the campaign is for the perspective of people around it. Yeah,
1: Dan I know how you salvage this okay in a future season you basically do what I did with um, Yu-Gi-Oh wizard in season four you make a character who's a competitive gore slammer player so that you can make the law as you go then
0: ah, uh, But then they're gonna have to be constantly reselling their army and maybe playing elves <laughs> <laughs> This is my nightmare <laughs>
3: So we, we've already revealed that Dan is DMing a future season. And by the time this comes out, uh, Quinn and I will have revealed in our other podcast that Quinn is DMing next season. So, so some, some lessons learned from this one is there is a like a physical barrier between the two teams, <laughs> uh, between uh, Quinn's and my DMing so we can't trip over each other's butts. What's uh, the other thing? <laughs> also, I have I have no outline or like skeleton of neither of us have any of that. Like, like I gave those four sentence fragments to Laura. I have no idea the first arc which we haven't recorded yeah. could just be like uh, boner circus. I have <laughs> it's nothing to me at this yeah. point. Mm-hmm.
1: And and again, like that that was a, uh, an, a an artifact out of you know at least in part the fact that you'd already started planning a season and then retroactively were like, do you want do you want to do half of this, but. Yeah, it's. The co DMing has been fun, even if the two session recordings a week was a lot. Uh, having, <laughs> having two nights a week where I'm working till 3 a.m., one of which I have to be a DM and pay attention, and the other one where I gotta take notes and pay attention. It was a s- sleepy couple months.
3: Yeah, are you, I'm sure you had fun and are glad to be done with it. Is there anything, any other observations on that that you want to add?
1: Um. Ah. Uh... It's it's really fun playing secret little puppet a puppet master in the background and I would do it again in a heartbeat. Um, also, also I, I I got to help Shepard. Um, what, what what was it? Um, uh, Robo <laughs> perverts. Cyber perverts. Cyber perverts. Cyber perverts exist now, and therefore n- yeah. this season was worth it. <laughs>
0: That that was, uh, yeah. I guess, going back to what ifs. I was seriously thinking about like, what if I didn't just do that with the head? Because originally, this wasn't going to be something Buford brought on the ship with him. It was going like I just was thinking about what is the worst thing he's ever done to a person, and what would make him do that? Because I wanted to try to think of what like what where is his limit as a as a character? Mm-hmm. And I came up with that as like a backstory note. And then uh, the conversation came up in the first arc of, "Oh, Illithids want to like taste real pain and suffering." And I went, "Oh, well, I had this idea. What if I? We haven't said anything on camera about it so far. What if I just fold it into what's currently happening?" Mm -hmm. Honestly, that
1: I had no idea you were going to go there, and it made me so happy having like. Yet another wrinkle to to uh, integration that I could throw into the world building, and just be like, it's qu- it's quite difficult to integrate societies that haven't previously integrated that have diametrically opposing cultural beliefs. Hooray for consequences!
3: Yeah, I was thinking about as you just mentioned cultural beliefs. The thing I was going to bring up during the Sirlon part is a conversation Dan and I had about uh, mind flayers. Uh, you were mentioning that you like them being you know more uh, Lovecraftian, which is to say like hard to uh, understand the human mind, like the you know the oh the that's, that's driving me insane because I looked at it kind of thing.
0: Yeah, a squid.
3: Oh no. Ah, but but I had been playing the mind flayers you know basically since season three as just like people but like with you know kind of mm-hmm. mostly human thought processes different drives and different beliefs and stuff um and so one of the things i did with the cerlon cuz they're basically off screen the whole time i think you like glimpsed one at the end max but like yes they, they, i was trying to like put that energy there and like these things i think i had the, the scientist or the the psych the psychiatrist jenny say like they're they're less like people and more like radiation was like just the idea that like you can't even begin to like understand where they're coming from. Like they want to eat live screaming people. What kind of, you know, common ground could you find with them? And that's just a detail from the monster manual. So I was just trying mm-hmm. to extrapolate from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and I guess that's a preview
0: of what maybe some things in season 13 will be like, <laughs> I like when things are like really different from people. Cause me personally, I actually like putting humans in D and D games. I know, um, like, in recent years, that's been sort of gets, like, poo-pooed as being boring. Uh-huh. But I th- I think there is a just undercurrent in some, like, D&D settings where when everyone's, like, a wacky, weird race, they just kind of feel like people with extra stuff stuck onto them. Sure. And at, that doesn't become as interesting to me. Whereas, like, if you don't, if they don't function like people, they don't have the same needs... Uh, like viewpoint for reality or even like moral systems just at a basic level um, it, it makes it more fun to play around with for me
1: i i entirely get that as someone that like really wishes mass effect would just add a fucking <laughs> hannah party member already
3: get, get their um, asses laura fuck up the mass effect writers right,
1: right? Um, <laughs> but like i also like when it's like hey uh, species is not a monolith and there are going to be some that you can relate with and some that you just don't fucking understand what their deal is and that both can exist within a species
3: romanceable Elcor now, Bioware <laughs> oh, well, the, yes. you know what that I agree with mm-hmm. um, during the making of this season, Bioware I like imploded, I don't know <laughs> by the time you listen to this, maybe there's been more uh, developments, but um, it's not good over there, I don't know if you've been keeping up with all that Mm-hmm. Oh,
1: I've I've been keeping
3: up on it, <laughs> uh, um, but yeah. So I, I tried to get a little weird with the beholder psychology. Like yeah, she was just like, I don't understand the idea of loving a child. You like, I don't understand you, you, how you don't understand my motivations. But then you all just kept yelling at him like this is this is an Austin problem it's hard for me sometimes to stay in villain mindset because I, I have this I don't know uh, knee jerk reaction to try to be the reasonable one <laughs> you know and so when <laughs> when people give me the kind of pushback or they're like oh yeah but that's villainous that's evil and then I have to be like is it why am I doing this I'm sorry I didn't mean it <laughs> I, I, yeah and so
0: yeah like I, it, it's funny because um I, I think I said it in character several times that Buford basically flat out agreed with everything Yaush was doing uh uh-huh.
3: um
0: like on a certain level because like yeah if i wasn't uh part of this peace mission because i care about uh what my sister thinks i'd probably he'd probably just have been doing what yaush did because he would see uh, mind flayers uh at least at the very least revanchists as an endemic threat to everything he cares about <laughs>
3: Yeah, I liked his psychology. Maybe we should talk about Yausha some more. I think it's a really interesting character. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just, just for my part, uh, I just thought it was funny when there's a there's a scene where you're like, "Oh, your plan this is bad and it sucks," and then I think you rolled or something, and you did really well. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. Um, <laughs> it did. It did eventually get us to Hot Dog Family, which I loved. But I really went into this season. I mean, before before the handover, I think I just had Yaoch at the top name of the list because uh, I was just like in love with the idea. Beholder villain, they're very strong, Mm -hmm. they have a weird, uh, you know, gimmick with their dreams and stuff. I thought it was really cool. Uh, so I was like thinking about that the whole time. Laura built built him up in a really cool way, uh, and then just you, there was those talks where I was just—he was just like sitting in Dot's bed, bleeding everywhere, I'd just be like, "Suck my balls!" And yeah. you all just refuse refuse to let him be the villain.
1: <laughs> look, I I tried so hard to create a villain that people could look at and go, "That's a villain right there." I really, really hope they die.
3: Yeah i It was really cool, also, I didn't give Laura any details. I literally on the paper it says, but uh, parentheses, beholder uh so all that stuff with like the tab tap, tap hole in his brain and he's lasering himself like that smells sh- fuck that rocked. yeah, I was Yoush- extre- extremely into that. Yaush was honestly <laughs> the f-
1: the first like thing I nailed down this season that like i I had a really clear idea for was I wanted a beholder who wants nothing more than to be alone but realizes, like, but but does not have that option, and is sort of forced into realizing symbiosis can be u- useful, even if I fucking detest it. And I was so happy with that. I was like, I, I have somewhere to aim for.
2: Oh, man, beholders are fascinating, um, in, especially in the context of, like, it's, one, they have the economy to fight up against a party of people, so that helps a lot. Um... Also, it's wild when you're like, oh, man, I got all these things to help my armor class. All right, roll saving throws, bucko. Here we go. See, that that's the... I guess that goes into...
0: Uh, you had asked in the uh, other postmortem, how did you feel about your characters mechanically? Um, I was like 50-50 on Buford the entire time. Part of that was because halfway through the season, I realized I left out two of his skills uh, when I built the character. That was a problem. Um, but I like, I liked how he could deal damage. I liked that he was smart, but for, like, the first arc and a half, he wasn't actually physically strong due to how the, like, the artificer class was built until I could get Gauntlets of Ogre Power, and for being a psychotic um, uh, murderer, he has no ability to actually intimidate anyone, so, and because of action economy, I was really kind of stuck just punching And very rarely casting a spell because we, we, since uh, like uh, enemies are doing more damage but have less health, the mechanically I was like, ah, fuck, do I risk trying to get a concentration spell up, get damaged, and then lose it like effectively two turns, uh, or do I just keep swinging? So I had fun. I don't think I'm going to be playing an artificer again for quite some time.
3: yeah the game interacts with our format in a little bit of a a wonky way sometimes like warlocks have basically infinite spells well, like, because of how often we short well, rest well, well, except, like for the, except
2: for arcs where we never short rest because of time constraints uh, that the uh, the werewolf arc was very fun uh, in that respect just because that added an extra layer of tension that was actually kind of fun to lean into being like
1: oh uh, yeah 100% that was meant to be the alien isolation arc you have mm-hmm. no resources these things won't die you fucking run
3: yeah 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 What a great arc. That's the
2: clown arc of Oi team.
1: (laughs) And they they were arc two of both halves of the campaign. Arc two just had good energy.
2: Yeah, it was, um, I think it took until arc two started getting some characterization things down. I think Max Max played in many ways as expected. Um, I did not expect them to get knocked out as many times as they did. They just ended up becoming a very pleasing target for things. (laughs) Um, I was not expecting them to lean into the piloting stuff as much as we ended towards the end. It was funny. uh, Max began life as sort of like a Star Wars-esque character, became a Gundam character in development, and by the end of the season became an Ace Combat character. So,
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say about the way that the the game plays out differently um that y- sometimes that we don't you don't get to use the um you know the buffs and stuff like that it reminds me of like pokemon players so like at professional levels you're doing stealth rock and you're doing sword dance and dragon dance and stuff but like the average person is like if it doesn't do damage i do not give a shit do not tell me about any that was me
1: for like fucking 20 years and now suddenly i'm like oh actually belly drum is the most overpowered thing in the world. belly drum is <laughs> Fucking world I, shattering. Uh,
0: counterpoint hyperbeam.
2: <laughs> I, 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 I will say, Candy played pretty much exactly as expected. However, that was that was an easy operation. Just like she's she's a fighter. She's got a magic gun. You can make her have disadvantage. She'll still shoot the shit out of everything.
3: Oh fuck! My head hurts. <laughs>
2: All right, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> I was gonna say So my favorite moments from the rest of you I will say that Yeah, For to your point Laura just the entire Lycanthropy ship was just amazing It was just such a very Fun ride that kind of really helped settle Everything in and just Being able to just Like hit on certain points including just My characters just saying Oh the ship's a werewolf being like okay That's actually going to be t- relevant to the end there was Very fun Um I was gonna say for Buford, probably one of my favorite moments. Oh shoot, I was trying to remember the. <clears throat> so many good moments for Buford. A lot of them, honestly being in the downtime scenes more than anything else. Just, just be just maliciously taking out the mint chocolate chip ice cream and having I, a fight. I don't teresaver. regret it. It was the right thing to do. <laughs> um, <laughs> and and I was gonna say for Wendy, probably one of my 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 favorite things with Wendy was just how aggressively. Uh, you leaned into the magical girl transformations as soon as that thing kind of came up as a prompt um as added to the dichotomy of Wendy's personality. It was very fun to see in action, Austin.
3: Uh, yeah, I wonder what the psychology of that is for her, right? because is she is she just like stealing herself? Does she think like it actually gives her a plus one IRL? You know, it's like I think it's a funny mm. thing to do. <laughs> just like from her perspective,
0: what is going on? <laughs> so, something I was thinking about was that Wendy named herself, right? So, did Dracus have a name for her before she like defected?
3: I mean, probably. Uh, the mind flayers all have names, you know, like Grazilex and Gulthorpe Guth- and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's probably one of those. As she thought, like, oh, everyone I've ever met outside the the hive mind finds this unpronounceable. Mm-hmm. So, but I didn't have it in mind. I see. Uh, I'll say um, overall,
0: I think my favorite arc was was actually the great kidnapping arc. I mm-hmm. think every mm. every episode there uh, felt great. Um, outside of the uh, the away team specific, bef- after the the joining, I think it's a, honestly a toss up either between the the Yoush redemption episodes. Or just the <laughs> the the part at the end where we were doing the actual negotiations. I really enjoyed the week I spent just thinking about how how do I how do we <laughs> unfuck uh, this this like political situation. Yeah.
1: Honestly, like I I joke about how badly that first um, peace talks went, but I absolutely couldn't be happier with the symmetry of how this season ended with like. It starts on a, uh, a peace talks that just does not go well and spirals and everything goes wrong. And it ends on, we've got one additional chance to try and make this better than the last one. And I I think that book ended the season so nicely
3: yeah I'm really happy with wh- where that ended up I don't know if we want to talk about how we got there a little bit but I was thinking that um, that that whole negotiations scene which I did like is kind of to be fair my like third crack at that I think in season 4 I was trying to build up to this cor- corporate boardroom scene where everyone would to do the politics there and I mean it, it worked out fine but it wasn't everything I dreamed of so I tried it again in season 6 with the factions of Planescape and that did not go well <laughs> so this is like the third time I've I've tried to like build a bunch of factions and then get them all in a room to yell together to like yell about their you know motivations and stuff. It's it's, it's you know third time's the charm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Out of
0: curiosity, um, you I dick punched you with kicking the mind flayers into the
3: future. What did you think we uh, were going to do? Oh, I thought you were going to try to send them all to the evil timeline or another timeline. Make like make let let sacrifice a timeline you know hmm. to, to you know it would be like a very morally it'd be like you know last of us or whatever where you think oh I would save my people even if I have to become a monster or something
2: mm-hmm. I will say that uh I guess to my, my appreciation for how the whole thing played out like both both of you Laura and Dan had so many ideas for negotiations and it made sense for your characters to have ideas that were really strong. You know, and it was a little bit harder for me to kind of come up with ideas that would make sense for Max to propose during all of that. Um, and when the talks broke into the final fight, uh, I have to credit uh, the others here uh, for making uh, Max's branch that actually has a really, really cool feeling, just like the notion of... Uh, because because how things happened it was just like max ends up on their art runner with the Formouth cube and like okay oh no the ship's being i'm being attacked trying so to indulge it this stuff and then the idea came out to oh fly to the sirlon ship but not retaliating against anyone else's attacks and that was just such a cool little mental image it was actually really fun to have everyone have their various like big moments in that last arc in various ways um yeah it was really cool
3: we we had to do a little bit of pivoting and a little bit of rewinding for like the finale stuff so like so we didn't have a you know teams come together thing 100 percent locked down we thought maybe we'd lower everyone's level raise everyone's level There was a lot of stuff like that where we're still in progress and so i kind of thought that you know wendy running away and you chasing her could tie up the dracus stuff and then there'd be like a final uh uh, arc where yaush tries to steal the ship and you have to fight Mm. him uh, and then you all, I think, Link went to his room like two or three times, talking to him, and they're, you know, just saying oh, your plan shouldn't work. You can prove it, and I just, I wasn't good enough at arguing, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. you basically just used facts and logic uh, to own me into a place where I had to, felt like I had to prove to you something.
1: I hate, I hate when my players
3: like are good at arguing things, and I can't just tell them no. I mean, you should have because it led us to, you know, redeeming Yaush, kind of. You know, I'm not saying everything he did is 100% forgiven, but then having that final peace talks, like there is no peace talks if Yao, you know, sneaks down to the uh, AI core and locks you out of the systems, you know, and that then you get to fight through them to get to him as a boss Mm -hmm. or whatever would have happened, you know.
1: Mm -hmm. (sighs) So yeah, there we go. We did, we did a, we did a season, well we did (laughs) half a season (laughs) combined with half a season
3: yeah um hmm trying to think what
0: else to add well la- last time i was on one of these postmortems, we set a we set up a season that, like what four years in advance or something four seasons in advance what season are we setting up now
3: we're gonna set up a season three years in the past whoa, whoa this is where it came yeah. from this is that where the idea Aww. originates so, so, so you
0: you just <laughs> secretly shadow drop into the feed an entire an entire season three years ago and wait for people. to I I
2: was feeding ideas for future seasons where I proposed that a planet could be a planet of holding and that and there's the implications of that. So you know, listen, if we want to have some time shenanigans in the future season, I'm not opposed to throwing down some ideas for. Future time travel or other such shenanigans. <laughs>
1: oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to throw a season out now. Um, season twenty one, emotion season. <laughs> okay,
3: I think
2: you are I... finally
1: going to have emotions
3: in <laughs> dice. Emotions Funk. in my yeah.
2: dice game? No, thank you. Just get the out of here. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah, let's talk about the future. What have we done by introducing a roving time machine? Um, every season's self-contained, but I, <laughs> there's nothing Austin, now Austin, stopping. Austin, what have you done by introducing
1: a roving time machine? I tried to make a teleporter. <laughs> you turned it into a time machine.
3: I, d- I don't decide that wormholes are four-dimensional or five-dimensional or whatever the fuck we've never had one in dice funk before you could have decided that oh, I guess <laughs> so i think
0: i think what you've potentially set up is a season where you can have people
3: stranded in like the past in a survival season uh yeah i mean i, I yeah there's any number of things we could do i don't want to commit to anything in particular um except that maybe that i do want to do something like a doctor who where it is one crew like going through time so in the same season you could get past future you know like chrono trigger Mm -hmm. or you used to go see go see some dinosaurs go see some aliens go see a frog (laughs) something like that just a Um, frog just a frog yes This day frog i mean the most common topic for a lot of this season was where is it the timeline um i feel like there's a kind of a consensus as i say this but like uh in season six you know they make a choice in se- season seven there is a consequence so the only one where it makes sense is between there i think what i had in mind was that we just wouldn't talk about it. <laughs> it it doesn't really matter it could be happening you know just at any yeah. time there
1: look i'm i'm just gonna say it my my understanding this season was um uh N- nifix uh nifix kind of maybe blew, blew up the world tree and and season 10 sort of happens right Mm -hmm. then and there basically that's sort of where it Mm -hmm. was in my head
3: no joke i really if i didn't commit to the wormhole going through time which wasn't always uh you know 100% set in stone uh, another thought i had is if you do just go back like You appear in the sky over the characters of season nine or whatever, right? Like there's there's yeah. There's like uh, or post apocalypse or whatever, it's just like, Oh shit, there they are. I don't know. I just really don't want someone who's only listened to this season to be completely ejected from the story, (laughs) like in into the windshield.
0: I think that uh, that makes me think, like, what would Buford have done knowing that no matter what, his family is just gone? I think that would have t-
3: sent him on
0: a real weird emotional journey.
3: Yeah, it's, it's tricky because I wanted uh, to also, I said before, you know, just do a vo- Voyager homage. But also, if Soul is accessible, why would uh, you... Uh, you know basically people be on this peace mission not immediately peace out when beholders started coming at mm-hmm. you you would leave <laughs> you, you would said they would send in the Marines it wouldn't be you your characters wouldn't be relevant to the story anymore mm-hmm. does that make mm-hmm. sense yeah mm-hmm. I, I, I think I think so like so that's the
0: that, that was part of like Buford's motivation for going to uh, to make sure Bridget didn't die it's like okay this this is a mind flayer civil war. Mind flayers can do just scary shit in general, and then couple that with like more factions coming in to blow everything up. But it's like, yeah, this is this is no longer a place for civilians.
3: Yeah. A thing about D&D I was talking about with Gwen recently is that it's very hard to basically not play fantasy cops or fantasy soldiers right. because it, mm. normal people don't go around with swords, lighting each other on fire, mm-hmm. right? Like to justify the violence of a normal D and D session, you, you have to be in a kind of a, a a semi authoritarian or like depraved mercenary mindset. Anyway, this is all to say to do something novel (laughs) to do like hell, you know, being on a peace mission where you still get caught up in fun D and D stuff uh, is to like cut, cut the cops off, (laughs) just not let them be, get involved. Uh, So I don't know. I said a lot of words there.
2: (laughs) No, I mean, yeah, like, and that's kind of one of those things where that kind of gets back to the art wing stuff. I didn't want to get too deep into like the the military aspect of it. For me, I was just sort of thinking of the stand, the, the terms of just being this sort of this vague entity on the side there. Because, like you said, you know, I didn't want to play. Max as just like a soldier, uh, because a soldier mentality like could be done, but that character type has been done before. Otherwise, um, and it. It makes it hard sometimes to be uh, as cutthroat as I think some campaigns or some encounter designs in other games expect you to be. We are we are not. we try trying to play someone who's not as trigger happy about the situation.
3: <laughs> yeah, they're all go- they're all goblins. They're ontologically evil. <laughs> That's it's okay to get their experience points out of their. Tongues. No, 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 no. What, what <laughs> you do is
2: you talk your way through. Quick save, quick load. Not them unconscious. Quick save, quick load. Then kill them, so you get experience three times from the same encounter. <laughs>
3: Whoa, <laughs> We've, I've been, I have brain poisoning of Valter's Gate. I was just picturing that in my mind. Um, <laughs> Laura, yeah, this is a good time. Who is your Who is your favorite NPC to play? Uh, this we always ask about favorite NPCs. I'll give you mine. Drakus is so uh, scary, so scary. Mm-hmm.
1: Dracus, Dracus was fun, um, uh, I think, I think about, my, my gut says Ophelia.
3: (laughs) That would take me by surprise. I don't know why, I really (laughs) liked (laughs) Ophelia. Was it an intentionally like an inversion, or, like a play on your season five character, Liamara, who was like a uh, you know also kind of a hippie, not hippie, hippo lady? You can tell <laughs> I'm sleepy. Um, <laughs> uh, was it, was there any? Was that just a coincidence?
1: Oh no, that that was there was a a degree of thought in that. Um, I I wanted to do a very different kind of hippo, and I. I I, I just like the idea of someone who doesn't have that much work to do because you know h HR hopefully you'd, you've got large spells of empty time, so it's just like, hey, a little bit, a little bit of bodybuilding in mm-hmm. between HR, why not? Yeah, the one I always really enjoyed um Brid- Bridget on it, honestly Bridget is the one that like I I thought the most about as a character and I I was most interested in like what am I di- where am I going arc wise with this character. They were they were the one that like I always looked forward to
0: showing up. Yeah, I really liked uh Bridget a lot. Where did you think her her character arc was uh, going to potentially go?
1: I <sighs> I was building up with the thought that it was going to end in conflict of some kind and whether that was going to be I am furious and horrified at the terrible things you've done or I need you to trust in me more and let me do the stuff I'm here to do and to give me more Mm -hmm. freedom. It was always sort of going to be one of those two routes but I think no matter what route that went it was going to end up with... I want to be my own hero outside of you mm-hmm. was sort of where I think Bridget was always going to end up was I can't rely on 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 you I have to I have to make my own definitive stand
3: Heroism was kind of a theme, huh? We haven't really talked about that between the four myth and like gathering up heroes, uh you know everything you just said about Bridget mm-hmm. uh, that was like Yaush's kind of reputed line that you know from his perspective, he's the hero, stuff like that. I don't mm-hmm. know, yeah
0: <laughs> I really do that intentionally. from my perspective, the mind flayers are evil <laughs>
1: <laughs> a lot a lot of people coming to heroism from you know. Reasons of either being pushed there or, or, uh, striving to try and get there.
0: Yeah. And I, to, just to touch on Bridget. Yeah. I really loved how she played and I liked where Austin picked her up. I did also like that. Um, cause this was, it didn't come up in the, um, the episode, but I had an idea, uh, for like, uh, a scene where Beaver reminisces that, uh, Bridget as like a child, uh, like dressed herself up with power tools to be like, look, big bro. I'm just Aww. like you. Uh, and that terrified him because he doesn't he doesn't like himself as mm-hmm. a person. He think he knows he's a bad person and doesn't want her to be like him. Um and then when she was like, Yeah, you should have absolutely gotten the Resubium blown up, I-, I liked the dovetailing of, Oh, she probably is on some level pretty hardened like her 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 mm-hmm. brother. So she is more like him than he realizes, not yeah. just in like mm-hmm. intelligence.
1: It I I, I will say it- co-DMing after having been on like full uh, full seasons of Dice Funk one thing I think I would have a better handle of in co-DMing in future is how much time I actually have to handle stuff because in my head I was like I know I only have half a season I still felt like I had a season's worth of time to get Mm -hmm, stuff done
2: yeah and and I think that
1: very different pace
2: I, yeah <laughs> i mean that, that kind of that dovetails well to like you know npcs i particularly like. i liked besh actually you know despite them not having a whole lot of time they <laughs> they were it was they were a fun twist antagonist to deal with on two separate arcs um and but i have to you know just, just give a special shout out to how you handled cammy because i gave you a lot of leeway with how that character, and not only that, but also how what was the nature of Max and Cammy's relationship, and um, you know, it was a lot of fun to see those two kind of develop over the season into a, a clear unit. It was mm-hmm.
1: i I was very happy with Cammy's sort of growing, co- like arc of growing confidence through through the season was really nice. Cammy really came into her own, and that makes
0: me very happy. <laughs> Go- going back to Bash, it really was an all-time funny scene where he calls for a truce uh, to get information, gets his information, goes, "Hmm, well, goodbye." <laughs> <laughs> and People just fucking dex
2: him. <laughs> <laughs> it was so.
3: <laughs> Beholders are such silly little guys.
2: Just, 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 just a little fella having a, f- a good time.
0: And yeah, I going back to what Austin said about heroism. I did also like that they like you also spoke on optics that there was a lot of people doing bad things for what they believed to be like the good cause and uh, shit mm. like that. Particularly with Yaush, and how at like the end of the season, it's like some of these people are going to be lauded as heroes, even though they did terrible things. Other people are going to be in a bad state potentially. And that's just—it's yeah. just how the world works. At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what you did or what you did it for. It's just how are you viewed.
3: Most seasons of the show end with me saying like, "How do you think your characters are remembered?" <laughs> usually, it's like uh, I was an ins- insane person who was like just say the most whack shit, and do cr- terrible hey. violence, or just like I was forgotten. No one cares. Hey, <laughs> there's only with, two with
1: Yaush. With with Yaush dead, Trizzy might actually get to be remembered as having invented time travel.
2: Uh, with with if if Max is the captain of the ship, then uh, that will absolutely be the case. Just. <laughs> Partners in crime in that respect. <laughs> uh, Buford might be immortal, so I don't know what's happening
0: there. I guess he's building no. a Dyson sphere for a thousand no one needs, eons.
1: No one needs to know that Trizzy invented time travel. She just needed no one else to get credit for her invention of time travel. Right, the
2: important thing is that no... as Joush is dead, it's I, I, fine. I, this is, this, I, see, this is the sort of stuff I would like to dig into. The notion of... There are situation where nobody knows whether time travel is invented or when but they know that terizy invented time travel despite not knowing what that means right
3: (laughs) oh no we've made it so much more confusing i'm dreading these messages (laughs) (laughs) people love to ask me about time i'm I'm just uh, it's too hard I don't know.
0: It's fine. The the uh, the answer is a wizard did it. I I did break the way when we were going through the episodes and I know like in theory it took longer than this, but when we I was going through how like the time gaps between each arc and the downtime and the next arc were portrayed, I think we found out about Yaush and then fought him within the span of like 3 days.
3: <laughs> I have yeah I had no idea in my mind there was a it was like a Star Trek episode in which also it could have been days weeks months you know so it's just supposed to be like interchangeable like if the studio had ordered several seasons we could fill it out no problem because like it all is, it's fine.
0: Yeah, I think, like, in the story, it's treated as that. But there were, like, one or two times where it was like, okay, we get off the ship, go into downtime. Oh, no, immediately the next morning, uh, Bridget's been kidnapped. Uh, oh, no. Uh... <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> well, was... see, look, for for home, it's a lot easier to have those mysterious gaps. With a way, I, I can't... I, it was harder to justify... And then you all sit around not really doing anything on the ship because you're the away team. So you don't do home things. I, 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 ha- there had to constantly be, there's another th- reason you have to leave the ship.
0: Yeah. That, that did seem like when we were going through it, like a limitation that you had to deal with that. We, we can't be on the home team, which means that it's harder to have like repeat NPCs in a way outside of Cammy and Bridget. Uh, and then later on, Cortazar. Um, and we, we, we always have to, it's one of those things where we're like, yeah, if uh, the away team was on ship during the cloud arc, all of those clowns would be dead. Well, that's, that's the the problem is I don't know what any of
1: Austin's home arcs are. And I need to be like, I need to get you all off the ship ASAP so that no matter what Austin plans, <laughs> you, you aren't here. You have to be gone whenever, whenever things kick off Your your time here must be limited
3: you see? It's so hard. <laughs> uh. My job isn't bullshit. I'm...
1: <laughs> honestly, honestly, it was really fun doing the co-DMing co- this year. We Weird coincidence, this year was also the year that I wrote a novel with my lovely wife, Jane, that was co-written, co-written in a very similar fashion, where we would, like... Passing like uh, contributing a bit and then passing it back and writing a narrative together. This was just a year of me co-writing stories, and that's been fun.
3: There's a reason people don't usually do that. Most of the books have one name
1: because. <laughs> Time. Yeah, well, hey, this season of Dice Funk and that book both turned out pretty good, so maybe more people should write stories with someone else. <laughs> that,
0: that's an interesting question. Who who do you think would be some interesting like power teams for running a Dice Funk season?
2: Oh, no. Oh,
3: gosh. That, it's, this is a nightmare question. <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> I mean, the dream is to get Leon, but he'll never come back.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm trying to imagine a Dice Funk season DM'd by Skitch and Dan. Oh no! Because I feel like those two halves of the campaign would very much be like here's Skitch's law corner. And here's Dan with like, okay, here's some wild shit and a lot of fights to do. Here we go. Uh,
0: there's gonna be a lot of weird lore. If I'm writing it. I've done a lot of prep work for 13 already.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would be. There's. I have some jokey ideas in my head about what. See, this is the this is the type of jerk I would be. I, I've mentioned this idea before for a one shot, um, a one shot thing to do at a convention, but it would be a game. In which each character is from a different gaming system altogether, all playing in a unified campaign. So, if there was a Doctor Who season, my idea would be for each character to be operating under different rules simultaneously. <laughs> oh, you you are God. a demon sent from hell. Oh, like, 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 I, so, so, oh! So
1: I haven't told you about my favorite thing on the Wild Magic Table that never came. Oh, what up. is it?
3: Um, Switch to Fourth which, Edition. Oh uh, <laughs> um, no, no, no! Please, wilder no.
1: than that. Um, Austin, I at points had an alternative character sheet for you prepared. Um, that was made using an entirely different tabletop game with an entirely different character sheet um, that that could have been thrown at you.
2: Oh my god! Now I have their roll Motivity. What's that? Yeah, uh, but uh, but like but like I said, like that would be one interpretation to express characters from different times would be to actually have different mechanical frameworks for each of them, and I would be the one that just has to deal with keeping track of all that stuff. You know.
0: I I think the way you could probably sum up uh, uh, co-skitch and Austin uh, co-skitch and Dan run D&D game is skitch's side, people going, oh wow, I really loved this uh, last arc, it was great and then my side being please make the pain stop
2: what (laughs) are you talking about? (laughs) 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 people will be just living in your world, you know (laughs) get away from me, I'm scared (laughs) (laughs)
3: God. <laughs> I should not have ta- I should not have taken those edibles at the beginning of the recording. <laughs> <laughs> should
1: we should we let you all should we should we leave the season here? We've escaped, we're free.
3: Oh, I I felt so, like I had a bunch of things to say and I can't remember now. Hmm.
1: Oh, That's okay. You can say them in the inevitable third part of the post mortem when the season ends and people have questions.
2: Hmm. I I, I I will say just though, just thanks again for letting me get away with a lot of self designed bullshit on my part. <laughs> That's to both you both of you, Austin and Laura. L-
1: look, you, your character was still gonna be punchable if I needed to. It was it was fine. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Max was more than punchable, good god.
0: <laughs> Alright,
1: should we See- wrap that?
0: Oh, oh Season sorry. thirteen, folks. Get ready for the Skin King. You fucking bastard. (laughs) Uh, I don't know what that means yet, but I'll find out in about two years.
3: (laughs) You're a fucking Dark Souls character.
1: Two bottles of ale on the wall, two bottles of ale. You take what down, pass it around. Ah! Finally! Look, Needles, we made it! Trip was a mighty fine pain in the keister, am I right? No need to respond, I understand. Now, let me just check my guidebook here. Check in at the gig, huh? Haha, <laughs> that shouldn't be too hard. Everyone who needs to come all the way out here shouldn't have too much trouble spotting that thing. Well, No time like the present. Let's skedaddle on over there. Ah, Needles, I'm so excited. You'll be on your way to that well and brought back to life before you know it. Then I could tell you all about our trip here.